All right, everybody, welcome to Creative on Purpose Live, a show about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. This season features the Ruckus Makers Roundtables. Say that five times fast. Conversations about questions that matter with friends and fellow travelers from Forward Link, an alumni community for Seth Godin's Alt-MBA, and Akimbo Workshops. I'm your host, Scott Perry, Difference Maker at Creative On Purpose and author of Endeavor. I'm an Alt-MBA 6 alum. I'm a head coach on the head coach team for the Akimbo Workshops, and you can learn more about me and my work at creativeonpurpose.com. Today, I'm joined by my friends, John Mitchell and Kathy Taylor, to discuss what's the most important lesson you've learned so far in life and how are you living that lesson? John and Kathy, excited to have you with us. Before we dive into today's discussion, please introduce yourselves to our viewers. Who are you? Which programs have you been a student in? What are you up to these days? And where can folks connect with you to learn more? And you two decide who goes first. Ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. My name is Kathy Taylor and I have been in Alt-MBA 33, um, the Freelancers Workshop, the boot, not the Bootstrappers, the Marketing Seminar, and I'm currently in the Podcast Fellowship, so I'll be shipping one of those here shortly. That's exciting. And um, what am I working on? I'm working on trying to uh, stay up to date with all this coronavirus stuff, but I'm also trying to uh, develop a retreat um, center sort of thing where people can come and interact with my horses so that they can get back in touch with themselves and reconnect with themselves. And that the part of that that I do is overall is helping um, leaders and um, those are curious and committed leaders who especially have to struggle with perfectionism, people pleasing, proving, helping to get out of their own way so that they can really do the meaningful work and make the difference that they want to make. And you can find me at herdwiseleadershipcoaching.com. Awesome. I'm John Mitchell. I'm from Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. I am a camera artist. Um, I'm old, semi-retired, only semi. I jokingly tell people I'm not retiring until I learn how to do this right. Um, I am working on... Um, Showing people the value of good old-fashioned photography, prints, wall portraits. I have taken the marketing seminar, TMS5, and I am currently enrolled in uh, the storybook or story workshop uh, at the present time. So in a nutshell, that's... Where can people, where can people uh, connect to learn more? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, website is John Mitchell Photo P H O T O dot com. Fantastic. Um, so we're here to discuss a question that John actually came up with when we were conceiving this uh, cockamamie scheme of mine to have the Ruckus Makers Roundtable. So the uh, the question, John, that you've posed is, "What's the most important lesson that you've learned in life, and how are you living that lesson?" So let's talk first, just define our terms a little bit. What what do you mean when you say life lesson or lesson learned in life? Lesson learned in life is anything that you have done that has affected you to the point that it has 
made you change. Mm. I love it. So a transformative moment is a lesson learned in life. So, John, back to you again, you poor guy. This is what happens when you raise your hand and volunteer. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, what is the most important lesson that you've learned in life? Since I've asked that question, uh, I've changed my mind about 75 times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it keeps coming back to one thing. And um, first off, it is... As I said, I changed my mind so many times. I changed my mind because as you look at life, the answer is different depending on where you are in life. And I think it's age-related. And I think because of my age, I look at things differently than somebody in their 20s, 40s, or even 50s. And I... The, the, the one that changed me the most, even as a Boy Scout 50 years ago, Baden-Powell was teaching be prepared. And that means living today like it might be your last day. Well, at 65, living today like it might be your last day is darn depressing. Yes, it might be. So my new thought is live today like it's the first day mm. and that just changed my whole outlook and uh, I don't want to go into a whole lot but Scott you know I had some heart issues a couple of years ago and let me tell you there is nothing that changes you faster than I had a stint put in, and in five minutes after that was in, I felt 15 years younger. Mm. I didn't know I could feel that good. I wanted to get up and run. I haven't felt that way, I don't know, since when. And I just started to to feel, I've got a second chance. Where am I going to go with this? What am I going to do with what's left? And I think it's much more uplifting to think about what's ahead of you instead of how little time I've got left. Wow, I love it. How about you, Kathy? Um, well, I kind of was like John. I was kind of going back and forth about which one. I'm thinking there's so many lessons learned, and it's – you know, I even got a big, huge lesson yesterday, and part of me thinks, well, is that the most important one? But it hadn't really sort of settled yet. So I guess the one that I really settled on for now is um, the idea, and it comes from um, from NLP, but I actually had thought of it a long time ago, I mean, years and years ago, that um, but they sort of put it into clear words, which is that every behavior has a positive intent. And that doesn't mean that every behavior has a positive result for the person doing the behavior or the recipient of the recipient of the behavior, but that something, whatever we're doing, we're doing because it protects some part of us, even if it's protecting our false self, our false self is out there going, no, protect me, protect me. And so, um, 
just that and it, it helps it helps me when I see people do what I think are stupid things because I think, well, you know, what's the positive intent behind there? It makes me think, okay, if they're getting mad or they're blaming somebody for something, really behind it, behind it all, they're afraid of something. So if I can get under that and figure out what they're afraid of and um and see see how that situation might change, then something else can change. Hmm. I really love what you both said. And, you know, John, when you were speaking, it reminded me of, I think it's a Seneca, Seneca quote, but it might be Epictetus, but um, it go, it's, I'll mangle the, the exact wording, but it's while we wait for life, life passes, live immediately. You know, this idea that, um, you know, just, I don't want to make this about current events, but we're in a moment right now where the, the world appears to be in a, a sort of a crisis. And what we see is that a lot of people are, are waiting like, Oh, I'll just wait to see, you know, who takes care of this. We'll just wait to see, wait for everything to, to get back to normal. And what a lot of us um, in Seth's world are recognizing is that actually um, things probably are not going to go back to quote unquote normal uh, after this. And, you know, many of us are choosing to be bold and curious and courageous and act um, by doing things like this, convening, connect, you know, finding the others, convening the others, finding creative ways to navigate through this situation. And it will probably change, um, you know, we'll come out of this uh, probably quite differently than we entered it. And that speaks a little bit to what you were saying, I think, Kathy, um, one of the things that I, I'm hearing in what you're saying is just how important empathy is, like the, the, the ability to, instead of going right into um, judgment mode, which is something that humans are kind of programmed mm-hmm. to do, I think, <laughs> you know, to instead be can hit the pause button and be a little bit more considerate and say, well, geez, what's really going on here? You know, why would this person be behaving or, or speaking in this way? And to... Um, and that even, I think you're speaking to the even bolder step, which is empathy is the ability to see, hear, and understand somebody and their situation. But compassion is when you actively do step into that situation to try to help that person get from where they are to where they want to be or to help them solve the problem that they're in or um, you know change this, the situation that they happen to be in. And so I love... I love all that. When I think about the lessons that I've learned uh, and how I'm living those lessons, I, I, I think it's really just, it's a mashup of what both of you have already said. Um, you know, I, I experienced a moment um, not quite as dire as John's, but, um, you know, it involved uh, something that was fairly traumatic where I re- recognize that life was actually very, very precious and I was doing a really masterful job of wasting most of it. Um, and that I was getting in my own way most of the time because um, I had uh, an over uh, overly inflated vision of who I was, and I had a um, an overly judgmental version of who everybody else was, and it uh, you know it took that moment in my life to start to get out of my own way. And, and, and it was transformative. And part of it was the Alt MBA and going through that process of, you know, having worked by myself for myself for a long period of time, and then being forced to work with others 
to solve interesting problems, you know, creatively. So one of the things that I, I would love to explore with you next is, you know, I think this, you know, the idea of learning um, from life's, the, the lessons that life hands us um, requires that we actually recognize that life is providing a teaching moment for us. Because um, a lot of us are just going through life kind of mostly unconsciously, just, you know, oh, today's just another one of those, and I'm just going to wander through my day the way I usually do. Um, but this idea of learning from the lessons that life gives us means that we have to be um, a little bit more conscious. So what what are the tools or tips, t- tips that you might have for helping actually being aware um, or looking for those moments that we can learn and improve ourselves? I read a book two years ago and I'm going to mess up the title of it, but it was something to the effect of golf is a game of misses. And it was a life lesson as well as a golf lesson. And in it, they suggested that you, the best way to play a golf course is before you start the round of golf, Walk around the course backwards. Start on the 18th green. Hmm. Look at the shot and say, where would I want my shot to be to give me the best chance of sinking this putt? Where would I want the ball to be to give me the best chance of putting the ball there? That's your next shot. And you work backwards. Start with the green and work back to the T to figure out how you're going to get to the hole. And that's true in life. Mm. Start with the end vision. And then each step you take needs to be the one that's going to make the next step the easiest. Okay. What's you, Kathy? So I'm going to sort of tag onto that a little bit because I, you know, that will start with the end in mind is definitely very, it's appropriate. I would, I would add to it as we are going along. So then you go over to the first hole and you start, you know, you, you make your shot and now you have to adjust because it didn't end up where you thought it was going to end up. So you need to really stop and look back on and reflect on what did you do or not do? What do you need to change for the next time? whether that's the next hole or the next shot. And, um, and I think that whole, when, when we're so, we have that whole fear of missing out and we're always trying to get to the next thing, get to the next thing because we're so busy trying to prove that we're worthy. Um, we don't stop and reflect. So we mm. end up making those mistakes over and over again and we get in those same thinking patterns that get us stuck. And, um, and then I, I had a friend who he talks about, um, it sort of stopping distance. So he's, you know, he, he asked me the question once, what's, what's your stopping distance? Meaning if you're a semi and you're tooling along at 80 miles an hour, it's going to take you a long time to stop. But if you're going 30 miles an hour, it doesn't take you as long to stop. If you're a Ferrari, 
you, it's still like, it's still going to take you a long time to stop, but you can do it a little bit more nimbly. And so which are you? Are you just, are you so committed to that forward motion that it takes you a long time to stop and slow down to reflect? Or can you put on the gas, take it off, put it on, take it off and be a little bit more flexible? Yeah. Really interesting. I, so John's point, you actually articulated it, Kathy, just exactly in the same language that Stephen Pressfield uses in his book, No One Wants to Read Your Shit, which is, he talks about <laughs> as a screenwriter, what you, if you're going to write a screenplay, you start with the end in mind and you work your way back to the opening scene. You can't just like begin writing and hope that you end up somewhere great. You um the other thing that he says about that is sometimes you don't actually end up where you were aiming at, but you'll end up somewhere really great because you've put that effort into being intentional and having a point um, as opposed to just kind of randomly um, practicing your craft without a specific purpose. The other thing that he says in that book that I think could be layered into what um, we're talking about here with, you know, keeping the end of mind is he talks about how important theme is. When I think about, you know, I think about theme in every, every handbook I write, every blog post I write, but I also think about it just in terms of my own life. Like, what am I actually here for? You know, what's, what's, so, you know, in human terms, it might be more vision or mission. And John, you, you mentioned vision, but you know, like what's, you know, what's the point I'm aiming at, but what's the, also like, what's the point of my participation? Um, what's the theme of my, of my life? And then, you know, Kathy, I love your, um, your metaphors, but also you, you've kind of layered in that, 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 that piece about habitual behavior. Most of the time we're just kind of doing what we did uh, or doing things the way we've always done them. Um, and, what you're speaking to reminds me of how important it is to strategically insert a pause into our day-to-day -day lives to like acknowledge the actual situation we're in so that we can then see if we have to do, to John's point about having an end in mind, do we need to course correct? Do we need to, you know, take a, take a moment to see how close or far off target we are and how close or far to that end destination we are. The things that, um, you know, I, so in addition to presence and acceptance and acknowledgement of the way things really are, I guess the piece that I would add is how important it is um, to start with who. You, uh, you know, I think knowing what the goal is is important. I think, you know, having a sense of purpose is important. But I, I would disagree with the famous call to action of starting with why, because you're not going to get anywhere really great most of the time unless you're surrounded by great people. And if you get a bunch of great people together, but they don't know exactly where they're going together, they'll figure out a way they'll figure out a destination that's worth getting to and they'll get somewhere really great. But if you have the wrong people all pointed in the right direction, they'll, they're probably not going to end up where they intended and um, you're probably going to do a lot of suffering along the way. I think it's just really important to, um, you know, if Jim Rohn, if the Jim Rohn quote is correct, that you're the sum of the five people who spend the most time with, um, whether or not that's absolutely true or not, I'm not suggesting anybody ditch their loser friend to 
up there average, but I mean, you know, the three of us in this room have made a commitment to each other for the entire year of 2020 to go on a journey together, each in our own endeavor, but supporting and encouraging each other along the way. So much more powerful um, than, you know, just doing something with a bunch of people um, because it's a cool thing to do um, or because it might, you know, it might improve our status uh, or standing in the world. So that's, 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 that's my piece, you know, being really mindful of who you are and who you're spending your time with and who you're surrounding yourself with. So in addition to um, those, those tips, uh, any, any follow-up, John, based on what Kathy or I said, or any, any additional words of wisdom for learning from life's lessons? said in the beginning that I changed my mind several times since raising the question. And I think that's relevant to the fact that what we're usually aiming at is a moving target. <laughs> and it's, it's constantly changing. Um, how many of us are, are looking forward to retirement? Uh, when we're, we're 30 and 40, we have this grandiose idea of what retirement is going to be. And Lindsey Green has written a book called Ready to Retire. Hmm. And she interviewed a lot of people to get ideas about what retirement was, what it would mean, what it turned out to be. And one of the people she interviewed said, when you retire, you need to be prepared for the three D's. Name them. And then she added a fourth when she had finished uh, researching and writing her book. Just think about it for a second. But I'll, I won't take a lot of time. I'll tell you right now what the three D's are. Drink, depression, divorce, and death. Not exactly what we thought of retirement when we were, like I say, 30 or 40. The target moves. And you have to be able to, as you said, come off the accelerator. Mm -hmm. Kathy said, you've got to be able to adjust. You've got to, you've got to watch for that hairpin turn. Well said. How about you, Kathy? Any additional thoughts or insights? Well, when you started talking about start with who, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one who disagreed with Simon Sinek. Because <laughs> 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 I've been thinking it's start with who for a long time. Also, um, mostly start with who you are. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to really figure out who you are, you have to do stuff and mess up and try to hit that missing target and then pause and reflect again. So it's just sort of part of that whole cycle of figuring out who you are. And in there, I think the, the why gets layered in as maybe a uh, sort of fuel for developing the who, the who. So they're related, but you definitely have to know, it definitely helps to know who you are um, because then it keeps your why on track a little bit more, I think. Yeah. You know, John, 
you see uh, what I'm hearing and what you're saying is like, you know, our seasons of life change and therefore our situation and our needs and our dreams and desires change along the way too. And, And this is another reason why I disagree so strongly with Simon Sinek's, you know, start with why, um, is because he says that your why is determined and defined by the time you're 20 and it doesn't change. And I just thought mm. that is impossible. Like, how could you possibly have the same one thing that you're put on the planet for all the way through? You know, you know, I've been a, uh, a son and I've been a, a college student and I've been a husband and I've been a father and I've been, a you know, I mean, my, my why has changed many, many times as I've gone through every season of life. Um, and then I guess the, the thing that I would add after um, listening a little bit to what you all were just saying is, you know, I'm, I wonder sometimes if if lessons are, are not just a, a kind way of saying um, failures or mistakes you know, because I think some of the, I, I, I very rarely have learned anything really profound from doing something and having it turn out just the way I wanted. Um, usually that's provided me with a false sense of, you know, my own uh, cleverness and, and skill. But, um, you know, most of the things that I've learned from have been, uh, most of the moments that I've really learned the most from have been moments where I tried something and it didn't work out as expected, or um, when a unexpected moment happened um, and I had to change my plans and deal with the situation at hand, much in the same way that we're doing that, all of us now in March of 2020. So I'm just curious about what what your take on the relationship um, between lessons and failure or mistakes or, or, um, uh, or, or just uh, challenges might be. I think every one of them is, is, is a lesson. Um, I, I don't know that I totally agree with everything that is being said about the why question. Um, I ask why a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, asking why do I feel this way? Why do I enjoy this? Helps me to identify the who. Um, I am a photographer because I can't draw, but I love art. Um, I love faces. I love my first introduction to art was portraits. And as a result of that, I have learned to love lighting and, and what it does to a face and the story you can tell with it. And it's that's the why that's made me the who I am. What do you think there, Kathy? Are we going to defend ourselves against this attack upon who? (laughs) I I don't see it necessarily. So I think part of, and Kathy, you can speak for yourself, but I I think that the reason why some people respond 
negatively to that idea of start with why is um, is that it sounds, I mean, it sounds like it's very declarative and, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, there's a, a, a little bit of dissonance um, where that this is, this is the starting point. And I think your, your point is actually well taken, John, that it's not necessarily an either or situation. It's a both and kind of situation. I think we, um, you know, just, the way you just articulated it, like you're asking questions like, why do I feel this way? Why do I want to, you know, why am I doing this? Now, I would argue that those are who questions. <laughs> they're, they're, those are <laughs> questions coming from a who. Um, but you, you, I think you're absolutely right that because what you're speaking to is the, the importance of intention, right? We should be, we are defining or, or who we are is reflected in what we believe and what we do. So we should be intentional, I think, about, you know, why we believe what we believe and why we're doing what we're doing. And you were speaking to this earlier and I forgot it, but it just came back, Kathy, this, you know, when we're talking about starting with who, we're actually talking about like, talking about our virtue, our character, our values, you know, are we, are we living the uh, and acting and speaking in a way that aligns, you know, with who we really are, which I would argue are values, guiding principles, and, you know, what the ancient philosophers would have called our virtue or um, uh, arete, you know, just the, the, the content of our character, the excellence of our character. So I jumped in there over you, Kathy, but you can, if you want to beat up on John a little bit, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I guess my thought is, John, the questions that you're asking are sort of at a different level of why. Um, like I see sort of almost like a, a like a, imagine a wedding cake and identity is at the top and then your beliefs and your values are below that and what you're able to do is below that and your behaviors are below that and your environment is below that. And so the higher up you can go, like the top things all waterfall down to change the bottom things. Um, and so I just wonder if some of the why questions that you're asking, not that they're, they're totally valid um, and they need to be asked, but they inform um, the who and the, and the who also can inform them. So kind of like Scott was saying, it's a both and kind of thing. I agree that they, they are hand in hand, left hand, right hand. Um, and, and you do need to be looking at, at both. But the, to me, the why, I guess the who is, is there and recognized, but then I want to know why the who. <laughs> so yeah, I wonder, I just wonder if because, you know, we're all a little older than some people, maybe the younger people need to ask why more and the older people, because I think as you get older, you figure out who you are more. You know, it's just, it's a question of time um, and experience. So the more you're comfortable and accepting of who you are, um, maybe the more, the more you're willing you're, you are to go down those why rabbit holes. That's interesting. I, I saw, I, I, uh, Kathy and I are not the only people that have um, argued against the start with why movement. 
And um, I've, I've seen Simon in more recent interviews talk about how what he meant was um, that, that <laughs> golden circle, the whole thing is the who, right? And so, I mean, if that was his intention, he sure didn't put it in his book or his talk, but that's okay. We're allowed to change our mind. But I think what ultimately all of this is pointing to and what we all can agree on is, you know, this the importance of curiosity, the importance of, you know, not being hard, you know, completely having our, 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 our beliefs and our opinions completely baked because, Mm -hmm. you know, things change and we change and we, you know, we grow through experience of, of the lessons life gives us and, and, and so forth. Um, and so to me, one of the, the, the lessons that I'm taking from this talk is, you know, really a fundamental posture for being a person who is capable of learning lessons while they are actually living life is to try to be just a little less judgmental and try to be just a little bit more considerate to be just a a little less certain and a little bit more curious um, as you're, you know, living your life and by living your life i mean you have to be you know i i maintain that your life is to be lived within four mm-hmm. others it's not just it's not just the the start with who doesn't mean just just you it's mm-hmm. you too but it's also um you know those around you and to john's point and once you get there you know, why, you know, why are you here? What are you going to do? How are you going to do it? Does it align with all those things that Kathy was just talking about in terms of, you know, um, values and beliefs and, and attitudes and, and, and all that sort of thing. So let's, uh, as we're approaching our last 10 minutes together, I would love um, to circle back to the, the, the question I was asking earlier about life lessons coming through um, failure more often than success. And, and you don't need to agree with that premise, but I would love, um, if you would share, uh, just a a final less life lesson learned, um, that came through either a failure express. John, you kind of let off, uh, with, with, um, one at the beginning, your challenge with, um, your heart condition, but, um, in, in your endeavor, in your photography, what's, what's a, a moment where you had a really profound lesson in that work that came as a result of a success or failure. Oh, now you're putting me on a spot. Um, <laughs> Too many to choose from? <laughs> well, there are. Um, I had I had a client that phoned me and said she wanted a family portrait, but her one son was dead. Could I still get them a family portrait? She had some snapshots. And she brought the pictures in. And my immediate response was, no, this won't work. She had three children. One is in a tuxedo going to a wedding. One is at a barbecue out in the backyard wearing a tank top and 
a beer in his hand. And the daughter is in a gown going to a dance in a very short skirt. And all this is to go together and make a portrait. There's no harmony in the overall image. And there is confusion in the background. And there's difference in the light. And I said to her, it won't work. It's just, I can't do it. And she explained that her son had had AIDS and didn't tell anybody. Mm. And she just never had a family portrait. And somebody said that if anybody could do it, I could do it. And I felt bad. Mm. And I explained to her, I said, well, I can't put them together because you're not going to like it. It's not going to look right. But what would happen if we took each picture and improved that? And then put all three of them in the same frame in different in different mat openings. And she said, Oh. It took a while. We took all the backgrounds out, put in a studio background behind everybody, made brand new images, framed them. She came in, I brought the picture up from the back, took it out of the box and held it up in front of her. She sat there and cried for 20 minutes. Mm, wow. um, that was a real positive moment. I just want to point to two really important takeaways from that story, John. Um, and I, well, first, first of all, I want to say that in addition to being a great visual storyteller, you're, you're also a very good spoken word storyteller, <laughs> but, um, you know, the things that I just, you know, the, the things that made, ch made change happen in that moment was empathy and creativity, you know, how really important it is, you know, and, the, and you being true to who you are and being true to your craft, um, just a uh, really beautiful and profound. All right, Kathy, you're up. So this is lessons from failure, right? It could be. It could be a success <laughs> if if you're um, one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> like I really don't like failure because I'm a I'm a recovering perfectionist. But I'm so I'm, I usually just kind of pretend they don't exist, but then they keep coming up. So um, I would say I am still. Or maybe I should say I'm relearning how to play. Um, you know, when I when my kids were little, I was running a business and I'm like, I mean, they were like, mom, do this with me. Mom, do that with me. And I can't tell you how many times I said, I'll do it in a minute. And I had every intention of doing it, whatever it was, in a minute. But then I would get involved in something else and in something else. And I'm just a minute, just a minute. And I look back and I think that was just really poor planning, poor just I was too involved in what I was doing and thought that, you know, they can wait, they can wait. Well, they can't wait. They grow up. Mm -hmm. um, and so that sort of non-play being way too serious about things was something that's been ingrained in my mind. Um, I mean, I think I told you the other day that you were sounding like my dad, right? When you were saying, <laughs> do what you have to do before you do what you want to do. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of trying to unlearn that a little bit. <laughs> and still still accomplish some things. So that's been different, but putting some play in there and 
Um, I actually had a, a session with the, um, some horses last week where, you know, I was trying to make, create this connection with a horse. And I was like, come on, let's do this. We got to make this connection. It was like the, 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 the relationship was a task. And I was like, I teach this stuff. What am I thinking? This is crazy. So when I was able to really just like, like I said, stop and step back and think, okay, let's, let's just play with this. I mean, I literally kind of said that in my mind, not as a, um, not as playing it as a task, but let's just play with this and see what happens and just try some different things. Well, lo and behold, you know, my whole energy changed and the horse's energy noticed it and he did his energy changed. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll come along with you. Let's go. Where do you want to go? And I'm like, wow. So I can take myself way too seriously and I can make other people do that too. So I'm trying to do things a little bit more lightly and Mm. still get things accomplished, which is a challenge. Yeah, I I agree. I, I, I think it's, I think far too often, you know, I think we all take ourselves too seriously. I know that I am prone to take myself too seriously and zooming out and putting myself in context and, you know, just in terms of even my immediate, you know, surroundings, but never mind pulling all the way out, you know, to the cosmological level where you realize, oh, actually I don't matter at all. Um, but I would, I would add to what you both said and just talk, uh, just say that gratitude um, has been gratitude for the moments, um, you know, gratitude for sure for the moments when things go right or well, but things really changed for me when I was able to embrace with gratitude, the, the opportunity and the gift of adversity and failure that, you know, recognizing that those are the moments that actually, um, I have to put my, um, my values to the test and, and my resiliency and my resolve and my patience and my humility, um, you know, all the things that help me become a better person while I'm trying to do uh, better work. That's probably, uh, you know, so I can't speak to one specific failure because, you know, there's 27 of them an hour and I can't keep, I don't, I don't keep a log, <laughs> but, um, you know, just, uh, just that, 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 you know, being able to take a pause and say, Oh, huh, that, that didn't go the way I expected, you know, what, you know, but great. Now I, now I just learned something and now I can, um, step forward maybe with a little bit more patience and, and integrity and intelligence and try to try try again, John and Kathy, what a great discussion. John, it's all your fault. It was your question. Um, but really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today, but also just, uh, you know, the fact that you would, um, at the very beginning, three months ago, jump aboard on board and say, yeah, I'll follow Scott on this crazy little adventure he's going to go on. Um, these discussions have all been just fascinating and it's been my favorite season of the broadcast but this was a, an extra special episode so thank you for your time just before i let you go let um our viewers know one more time where they can find you online i'm mitchellphoto.com and i'm at herdwiseleadershipcoaching.com fantastic well thank you both very much and thank you the viewers for tuning in we'll uh, look forward to seeing you the next time on creative on purpose live we still have just a few of these episodes left i'm not going to announce it now but there's a really special couple of guests coming in for a wrap-up episode so stay tuned we'll see you next time <laughs>